peoples of the worldwide federated internet what's good Here we go, returning to the book of Acts chapter two, and we are in verse 23. I'm going to deal with this slightly differently than how I thought I would be dealing with this. And primarily because I read the verse, I I tried my best to just, okay, well, what is this? What does this mean? What is this verse actually saying? You know how you read a verse, people have their ideas and their thoughts on a verse. People talk about it. People share certain things. And if you if you ever go to your Bible with the express purpose that, okay, I know what I've heard. I know what people have said. A lot of these things may be correct, but I don't know. I'm not 100 percent sure if the things that I've heard is exactly what this verse is. And if you if you go with that thought in mind, a lot of times what you find out is, oh, yeah, this is. This study has taken a, a, a different route than I initially thought. So we're going to get to the book of Acts chapter two and verse 23. Let's get into this. All right. Acts chapter two and verse 23. Um, Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. Ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Now, of course, if you've been around Bible study for any length of time, there are certain words you will see in here that will automatically trigger a response in your brain, which is kind of what happened to me. I read the verse. It triggered a response in my brain. And I thought, well, I'm going to deal with this verse and I'm going to cover this thing. And then as I read the verse, as I went over some definitions, I was like, wait a minute. Um, I was about to go in a specific direction using this verse to go in that direction when really what I should be doing is just, okay, what does this verse actually mean? I think a lot of us read our Bibles and we read into our Bibles and we read studies into our Bible instead of just studying what the Bible actually says. So... With that said, a lot of language in here. Again, as I said, if you've been around Bible study for any length of time, I'm sure your mind immediately went to the topic of Calvinism or probably, and I'm not necessarily going to deal with that. Now, the the things I discuss from this verse might loosely touch some of those issues, but it's not necessarily that, like I said, just sticking with what the Bible says. So that word determinate, I like to, when I read a verse like this before assuming, because my vocabulary is not absolute, there's words I see. And I think many of us are this way. There are words that I see that I understand and in its context, I understand, but that doesn't necessarily mean I understand 
what it means in this context and what exactly, you know, this verse is saying. So that word determinate means limited, fixed, definite as a determinate quantity of matter established, settled, positive as a determinate rule or order. So this is something that is set in place. And this is just the way this is going to be. And it said by the determinate counsel. Now, a lot of times what I do when I read my Bible, I'll read verses, I'll see a word, and I don't really think how, well, how do these two words actually interact with each other, right? So determinate, this is something that is established. It's not changing. This, this is what it is. And it says him being delivered by the determinate counsel. Uh, and that word counsel means advice, opinion, or instruction given upon request or otherwise for directing the judgment or conduct of another opinion given upon deliberation or consultation. So here's what's interesting. The Greek word used there for counsel. Again, this is a little bit of inside baseball. I always like to say, or I believe there's not necessarily a need to know and understand Greek and Hebrew to read your Bible. Now, this is not to say that I don't think that's a good thing because I do believe it's a great thing to understand Greek and Hebrew, but I, I believe if you have an accurate command of your own language, you can understand the Bible in your language. Now, this could lead into all types of discussions about translations, which translations can be trusted. That is a whole entirely other topic for another day. I may go over that topic one day, and for that topic, I may elicit the help of one of my friends who has studied this thing definitely more thoroughly than I have, and his thoughts will be more concise. So the Greek word there used for uh, counsel is the word boule from the root word uh, bulume. Now, I may have completely slaughtered this word, but you get the point. That root word means uh, middle voice of a primary verb to will that is reflect uh, reflexively be willed, uh, be disposed, minded, intended list. And the word that we're talking about here, boule, means volition, that volition that is like your will. Um, uh, it, uh, that is objectively advice or by implication, purpose, advice, counsel, will. So this thing was something that was determined to be. This is the way it is going to be by the by the established will counsel of God. What is it talking about? Well, him being delivered. This this is something that that God had set out. Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ being slain for the sins of the world. This is something that God set in motion, established uh, from the beginning. And we're going to show that here uh, shortly. And it said, and foreknowledge of God. Whenever you think about this idea of the foreknowledge of God, here's what I always try to keep in mind. 
this is really more than my brain can contain. And what I mean is God knows everything. There's nothing that's going to happen that's going to surprise God. It's not like a person gets saved and, oh my goodness, I, I can't believe this person got saved. This doesn't surprise God. Or uh, there's a person who, you know, professes faith, but they really don't believe their loss. Well, the, God is not shocked by this. Uh, these things do not catch God by surprise. And that's why this idea of foreknowledge, a lot of times just, it, it I, I feel like I'm trying to fit an infinite amount of knowledge into a very finite infinitesimal brain that is mine. And I just don't think that's possible. Foreknowledge is something that is mind boggling to think about. It means knowledge of a thing before it happens. Um, so you now think about that. Now, the Bible says that him being delivered, talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, by the established will, <clears throat> right, that the settled will and foreknowledge of God, all of these things. That's a lot to comprehend. That's a lot to break down because these are when you get to the idea of foreknowledge, determinate counsel may be a little easier to break down, get in your head, understand. But when you start talking foreknowledge, imagine this. Imagine if you knew every single thing that was going to happen ever, ever. Now, because this is hard to comprehend, trust me, I, I get it. Imagine knowing everything that's ever going to happen in existence ever throughout eternity. And on top of that, you have all power. In that instant, is there anything someone outside of you can do to thwart whatever you set in place? It doesn't matter what action they take. Not only do you have all power, all power, you know, everything, everything that's ever going to happen. I always, I always like to, to say and point out God doesn't exist or that that's not even a right word. I hate to use that word. God is not confined by space, time, you know, all of these different things, uh, these laws of reality that can find us. God designed these things, created these things, and we are contained within these things. But that is not so with God. God is not contained within these things. That's something that applies to us. We are contained by all of these uh, external forces. Here's what's interesting. That word uh, foreknowledge, very interesting. The Greek word for foreknowledge is prognosis. <laughs> and that's a word we actually use. Kind of interesting. One, one of those little side notes. Okay, so God has determined, decided, how this, this, this matter, this thing was going to play out with the Lord Jesus Christ. God set all of these things in place. This is, this is not something that can be thwarted. 
again, as I said, someone who has all power and all knowledge, you're not going to be able to undo this thing. So now uh, let's get to something that I'd like to cover in the book of first John chapter two and verse, uh, let's see, I think I'm going first John chapter two, verse one through two, first John chapter two, verse one and two. Okay. My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Now, the reason I went to this verse and I wanted to point this out, as I said, immediately when I, when I started thinking about this verse in the book of Acts uh, chapter two, verse 23, my mind immediately went to Calvinism. Now, I don't think that this verse is actually dealing with uh, that 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 stretch or that idea of Calvinism, uh, this verse, as as pointed out, when you read it, it's actually dealing with what God has set out for salvation from the beginning. Like this, this was going. This sacrifice was already set in place from the beginning, and there was nothing anyone was going to do to get in the way of or thwart this sacrifice. And in this verse right here. We find out John talking to believers. He said, look, the Lord Jesus Christ is the propitiation. That word propitiation means the act of appeasing wrath and uh, conciliating the favor of an offended person. So not only is the Lord Jesus Christ the propitiation for the sins of these people who believe who he's written to. He says, look, he's the propitiation for the whole world. Now, I go to this because this does not give me any indication that this is a, you know, okay, uh, it's only for this group. This is for the whole world. Now, what people do with that information is up to them. So now I want to show you something in the book of the Revelation. So I'm going to go to the book of the Revelation and I'm going to go to chapter 13. And verse eight, the Bible says, and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Now, the Bible says that the lamb of God was slain from the foundation of the world. That word foundation means the basis or ground the basis or groundwork or anything that uh, uh, that on which anything stands and by which it is supported. So this was established before the world was even a thing. Again, this goes calls back to that verse Acts 223 by the determinate counsel and for knowledge of God. God knows everything history doesn't look like it looks to us to god we see things as they've happened we make guesstimations about things that might come next god sees all he just sees all and again 
I always say to wrap your brain around that idea, around that concept, it's beyond me. I, I, I don't know if I can do that adequately. I don't know if I have the, the brain power or capacity to really break that down in a really succinct way. I'll be honest with you. I don't think I do. But we see here that that verse 23 of of Acts chapter two is not dealing with uh, a, a group of people. And, and again, th the reason I, I dealt with this in this way and, and went over the verse in a way I did is because my initial thought dealing with the verse, I thought I was going to deal with this idea of Calvinism. But when I read the verse, I was like, well, there's really not a need to do that because the verse is not dealing with people. The verse is dealing with what God has set forth to reconcile men to himself from the foundation of the world. That's what it's dealing with is salvation. Now, I do believe it is important to keep that in mind when you think about these ideas and when you read these verses that are, in my humble opinion, often, very often misunderstood. Again, this, I don't I don't think I have all knowledge. I don't think I figured everything out and and I don't think I've I've exhausted this I'm learning. I'm learning, especially having this podcast has brought me to this place when I hear people and I'm like, yo, well, I don't really agree with that. I realize, yo, just like me, I'm sure these people realize I'm not going to be right about everything. Look, I don't care how much you study. There's always going to be unless you have ascended into perfection on this earth, there's always going to be something you miss. There's always going to be something you get wrong. My my bigger, I, I guess, quarrel with people is, are you seeking truth or are you just not willing to hear out any other point? Because, look, I'll listen. I, I will listen to to hear uh, what people have to say across different biblical things. And if you provide me a, enough Bible, if you show me through the Bible, look, this is where you're wrong. And, and it's what the Bible says. Yo, I'm going with you. Now, if you're mm, you know, loosely applying things and it's not really like, uh, I don't know what you're doing there. I'm going to hold off. Maybe I'm still wrong. It's always a possibility. I, I come to this thing. I step before this camera and this microphone understanding that I am a man just like anyone else. And I can be wrong just like anyone else. Y'all know what it is. Stay frosty, people.